you know, it wasn't easy. And I think Matt, uh, pat on the back for you. One of the early trainings you did was on time management. And I actually found that I was a lot more productive. You know, if I had not a ton to do, probably wouldn't get a whole lot done. And if I had a ton to do, I would get a lot done and then some because you learn how to use your time. So uh, initial sticker shock, absolutely. You wake up every morning and you say, holy cow, this is a joke. There's no way I'm going to get this done. Um, and once you put a little bit of structure around it, the world is your oyster. So it, it, it worked out. But yeah, it was tough at first, but I actually think it was uh, it made things easier in the big picture. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We've got quite a few great guests coming down the pike here in season two. And today is no exception. Today, we have Devin O'Dowd. Devin O'Dowd studied poli-sci and environmental econ in preparation to become a lawyer, but he had a turn and became a director and equity partner of Global X, an exchange-traded fund firm. So if you're looking for a career in finance, this is one great option. Devin's going to talk about measurable and repeated ways to succeed every day. He's going to talk about the path to a finance career and give a great intro to ETFs. And of course, do what others won't so you can do what others can't. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Devin, I know you're a pretty busy guy studying those electronically traded funds, and I appreciate you making time on this beautiful Southern California, not cold Michigan afternoon to join us on the Edge of Excellence. Happy to be here today. Thanks for having me. Well, we really love having people that are in the finance business because, as you know, a lot of people in their 20s don't know all the opportunities that exist. And I bet some of them don't even know what an exchange traded fund is. I bet a lot of people don't know what an exchange traded fund is. I know you've got an interesting path. Uh, I know you have a wonderful career. So we're going to talk about it today. But before we do, we got to start off the way we always start off. What is your definition of excellence? Yeah, Matt, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and uh, congrats on getting so many good speakers on there. I'm not sure I'm in that same plank though, but I'm working on it. But when I think about excellence, Simply put, at the end of the day, you've got one person to look at in the mirror. That's you. Did you succeed that day? Did you put your best foot forward? And that's how I think excellence can be measured from there. If you take a bigger picture on it, it's really establishing a measurable, repeatable process for whatever you're trying to do. And then challenge yourself to the absolute limit every day, every month, every week, a quarter, semi-annually, annually to be the best version of yourself and accomplish that goal, whatever that is. But at the end of the day, if you can look in the mirror and say, all right, I did it and it worked, then I think you are teetering on that border. All right. So you can have an excellent day and not be excellent. I can have a great day, go out there and 
have a wonderful mountain bike. Oh, wait, I am excellent at mountain biking. But I could possibly sing a song and sing one song very well to my daughter who never wants me to talk about singing. And I'm not excellent, but I was, I'm not an excellent singer, but I'm excellent that day. However, if weekly, monthly, semi-annually, annually, I'm checking in and measuring, and I've got a repeated plan and a repeated system to practice, to study, to learn, I could become excellent every day. Yeah, man. I don't know that I've ever been the best person in any single thing that I've done. I've been fortunate to be given a couple opportunities to really succeed and show what I can do, but I've got a very good system and process on that. And at the end of the day, it's all about integrity. And if you can look yourself and say, all right, I put my best foot forward today. I fully believe that that inertia will help you achieve excellence. Uh, have you ever read the book, uh, Atomic Habits? I have not, but I'll put it on my list. Yeah, I haven't either, but everyone tells me I should, but I have uh, read a bunch of blogs about it. And um, I think if you've got habits circled around whatever you're trying to do, and you can execute on those habits, and those habits are above and beyond those of your peers, whether you're a college student, a recent grad, or someone in the middle of their career, you are really the sum of the weakest link. If you have great habits, you can achieve excellence. And uh, while I will not put myself in the camp of excellent at anything, I do have good habits and I'm working on it every day. And that's created a pretty good story arc for me so far. Well, if you're looking to work on your confidence and arrogance, you came to the right place because this is a podcast that's excellent at arrogance. Uh, to back up what you just said, and I've heard this one before, you can be excellent at one thing, not everything. You can be excellent um, for one day, for many days. You can be excellent almost every day, but you're going to have bad days. But if you're if you got something you're really good at, and you've had an excellent day or you want to have an excellent day and you want to string together a bunch of them and create repeatable habits, you need to have a routine. You need to build those habits. And we've talked about it on this on this podcast before. Most successful people have a morning routine and it's not eating uh, Fruit Loops and watching TV. Most successful people have a healthy routine. Most successful people have a decompression and some habits and most successful people are kind of paying attention to what they're doing and actively trying to get better. So I know you're a surfer. You used to live in the great white North. Um, you were playing hockey. You decided, I don't want to play hockey anymore. And you moved to California. You started surfing. You're probably not an excellent surfer yet, but you no doubt have a routine and you have habits and you're trying and you're pushing, right? Yeah. Far from a, far from an excellent surfer. I think I'm the definition of a California kook right now. But uh, the routine is getting there, so yeah, we're, uh, we're 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 breaking that little habit where I might actually catch a wave or two and hopefully not piss off the local. Yeah, as long as you don't get punched in the face, you're doing okay when you're surfing in California. It hasn't, well, hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Just trying to stay at everybody else's way. Yeah, I think you're a pretty imposing guy with those big old biceps of yours. But let's get into your work life. And as I said in the beginning, I don't know that a lot of people know what a director and equity partner of an ETF is. So why don't you let us know what is an exchange traded fund? And then we'll get into how you ended up with the job through high school and college. But what exactly is an ETF and what exactly do you do? So uh, disclaimer here, not investment advice and none of this podcast or anything I'm going to say is, but an ETF is a basket of securities. So if you want to buy the S&P 500, which Matt is the largest 500 companies. That is an ETF that you can uh, basically put all of those stocks into a single ticker 
and you can buy the S&P 500. And then you can apply that schematic to buy all the stocks in the world, all the stocks in China. You can buy stocks focused on robotics, artificial intelligence, whatever that might be. So an ETF is simply a basket of stocks that tracks a particular index. And I'm a regional director for Global X, and I've been with the firm for over five years. And I do sales and consulting with large institutional money managers, advisors, uh, and other types of financial planners around the West Coast. So I work with clients on here's where we think about putting capital to work and here's why. What are you working on yourself? And maybe we're a good fit and maybe we're not. So it's half sales and then half portfolio consulting. Okay, so an ETF is a basket of stocks. So what's the difference between an ETF real quick and a mutual fund? Uh, It tends to do with how they trade and without getting too far down the rabbit hole. Uh, You can buy uh, buy and sell an ETF all day, every day. Uh, Mutual funds are something that you can uh, basically do at the end of the day. So it's intraday pricing versus end of day pricing. But generally speaking, they've been a huge benefit to investors because they're cheaper, they're low cost, and they're very transparent. So you can always see what we're buying and selling. There is no black box. There's no hidden sauce. Uh, It is very transparent. It tends to be very low fee, and they tend to be a little bit more efficient in terms of how they're traded for investors. Well, sounds like ETF is something that people should know about, especially if they're Gen Z. Sounds like the uh, the way to invest of the future. It's transparent and low fee. I think that's what people are looking for. And how did you, let's back up a little bit. You became a regional director. You got into this uh, financial industry. Let's back up and figure out how you got there. What were you like in high school? What was life like? Uh, what was going on? Yeah, Matt, I think this is one area you and I might have a little bit in common in a second here. Um, Who I was in high school uh, was certainly formative and a blast, but maybe not who I am today. Um, I I wanted to be in the NHL. I wanted to be a professional hockey player. Um, I was also, and this is maybe where the surfing came in, uh, I loved punk rock music, and I was a skateboarder. So I was in a bunch of different cliques. I'm not sure I totally fit into one in particular. Um, I did well in school. I did not do only school, and that was not my only focus. And it wasn't until later in my life that academics were more uh, of the focus. But in high school, I was playing a lot of hockey, trying to get good grades and have a bunch of fun. All right. So you're playing hockey. You're getting good grades, having a lot of fun, but you wanted to be a professional. I get the NHL because you're playing hockey. You wanted to be a professional skateboarder too. And was that when you were a little kid, like I wanted to be a rock star or is that a legitimate goal of yours when you're 16 through 18? No. So uh, not a professional skateboarder. That was my hobby. So I kind of punted on that because skateboarding and hockey don't go too well together. You're going to get hurt doing one or the other, right? So sacrifice the skateboarding career. Um, Though I do still attempt to skateboard out here along with the surfing. And uh, I focused on hockey. And I wanted to get a scholarship to play hockey. And I wanted so bad, Matt, you might know this, but if you don't, when you're getting recruited to play hockey, it's a little bit different than being football or soccer or basketball. Most kids you see take off one to three years. They do a gap year to play what they call junior hockey. You don't get paid, but it's basically a semi-professional type of schedule. And you get recruited out of that. Now, you can't see me through this screen, um, but I'm not the tallest guy you'll ever see. And I was a talented hockey player, but I wasn't the biggest. Uh, so recruiting for me, I would have had to take one to three years off of school to go achieve that goal of being a division one hockey player. So I tried out for a bunch of teams after high school, 
uh, in the junior ranks and made some camp invites and had a couple teams I could go play for. Almost played hockey in El Paso, Texas, and also almost played hockey up in the UP in Michigan, but ultimately pulled out and walked onto a D3 team without playing junior hockey at all because I wanted to play NCAA hockey. I did not want to go uh, forego college. And honestly, I knew, all right, I might go duke it out for three years and be a 21-year-old freshman. I'm never going to get the best education or a paycheck if I'm playing hockey. So where can I go to a good school and still play? So, you know, you got to have a bit of an existential life analysis at that point. It was pretty clear I was not going to be a Chicago Blackhawk, but I could still play and then ultimately go to school and focus on my education. So that's what I did. And to kind of bring it home for you, I went to a school with 1,200 kids in the middle of Pennsylvania, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, actually, it was technically called Anvil. And where I went to college, I had 11, uh, maybe 1,200 kids total. Where I went to high school, I had 1,100 kids in my grade. And it became very clear that I did not want my career to be in that surrounding area. No offense to Pennsylvania, but I'm from Chicago, grew up in the big city. Um, so I wound up transferring to University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. Um, so I did not uh, finish out playing NCAA hockey, but I did play hockey all four years in school and finished at University of Illinois and did a bunch of other stuff that we can chat about. But that's kind of what uh, brought me from uh, my, my high school years into college when things got a little bit more serious. So pretty good grades, greatest grades. Which was it? I had good grades in high school. Um, I did not have straight A's, but I did I did well. Uh, I did well on my ACTs, um, but really started to focus on the academics once I got to school. And college was a good realization because I knew I wanted to transfer pretty quickly. So I hit the books really hard fall semester freshman year because it became pretty clear. The logo for the school that I went to, Matt, was the Flying Dutchman. And it was basically an Amish country. There was one bar, uh, a couple of places to buy some pizza and two gas stations. And that was, uh, I was pretty sure that that for me was not the environment I wanted for the next four years. Uh, so although great opportunity, great people, really good academic school, that just wasn't the path for me. So I, I buckled down, hit the books pretty hard so I could transfer to where I wanted to go, which was University of Illinois in Champaign, uh, which is my home state. Yeah, from 1,100 kids in the whole college to 1,100 people in the class. That sounds yep. different. Very so you, different. So you were looking for a different tribe. You're looking for a different home. And there's lots of people that want an 1100 or a 3000 person college. There's lots of people that want a huge college. There's lots of people that want one in the middle. Point is you're out there searching. You're trying new things. You're getting out of your comfort zone. And we see a lot, you know, you have the path of pretty good grades. My grandfather used to always tell me he wouldn't hire somebody with straight A's. He wanted the B student. I think that was to make me feel better when I got B's. Um, yeah but there's something to be said for the balance. So you had the school, you had the social, you had the skateboarding, you had the sport that you're pretty good at, uh, good enough to play in college. You go to college, you realize you have that epiphany. And if you haven't had the epiphany yet, it might be time. Not everybody gets to play in the NHL or the NBA or my favorite baseball. Everybody thinks they're gonna play professional baseball. And I, and I don't want to take dreams away. I got a daughter that wants to be a professional singer. And I'm always thinking about what's the backup plan. Don't let me take your dream away, but it's good to have a backup plan. It's good to have a backup plan. So you started studying finance. You decided you wanted to go to Champagne and have a different social experience and a different community experience. So what was life like in college? Um, how did you see yourself in college? So Matt, this is where you and I have a little bit in common. I, I, I know, I believe you wanted to be maybe a, Ultimately a politician, but a stint as a lawyer first. So that's what I wanted to do. One of my favorite movies of all time, Aaron Brockovich. Did you ever see that one? 
Yes. And I remember back in the day. Now I have to confess that Devin and I have known each other for a while. And Devin popped up out of the blue to check in on me. And I said, hey, you got to come on the podcast. But I remember I don't know how many years ago it was, but I remember meeting Devin and I don't remember everything everybody says. But I do remember certain things. And I remember you telling me you wanted to be the next Aaron Brockovich. And I thought, you don't look anything like her, Devin. Yeah, no, Sandra Bullock is a lot better looking than I am. That is one fact I think we can say on this podcast. But um, I, uh, you know, I've always wanted to find a role where you're making an impact about something you're passionate about, whatever that is. Um, Actually, University of Illinois, one of my degrees was environmental economics and law. But I, uh, that was my trajectory. So where I was in school freshman year, uh, I was political science and then business. And then at the University of Illinois, I pursued a similar track. Side note for anyone transferring. And again, I uh, learned this through the backhanded way. I, I could not be actually a business major. And it's part of the reason that you and I met, Matt. Once I transferred, uh, I was already beyond the prereqs there and couldn't get into the business school. So I focused on political science, environmental econ, didn't matter, was in a business fraternity. Uh, played hockey, was in a social fraternity, um, and then ultimately wound up doing college works as well. So I had a pretty jam-packed day-to-day, and it was a really, really good experience for me because I had a lot of folks who were better and smarter at other things I was interested in and a lot of groups that I played around. And I got to play hockey, and I got to do a bunch of internships and interviews and take a bunch of classes that I was interested in. And parties were fun. And I certainly did that too. But I really got to live my dream out and try as many things as I possibly could figure out, all right, what are my strengths? What are, what are the superpowers I have? Where do I need a little bit of work? What can I work on? Um, so I, 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 University of Illinois was an incredible experience and a great chance to really kind of get to know myself a little bit better. And I was really busy and it was a lot of fun. Well, we have to stop for a community service announcement. This happened, by the way, the last time I recorded a podcast, I had my buddy Steve Brazil on. And uh, he mentioned to me that his son that went to Berkeley and played football at Berkeley didn't have enough time to do other things. And I had to stop him and say, wait a second, because it's a community service announcement because parents are brainwashing their children into thinking sports are enough, Devin. You don't get good grades and you have the sport that'll get you there. So you had the sport, you had the good grades, and you were smart enough to know it won't get you there. So you did the business frat, the social frat, the college works thing, a bunch of time-consuming things. And there's a lot of parents listening right now thinking, oh, Devin's must be a superhero. Devin must have had more hours in the day than everybody else. Nope. Devin had 24 hours and your kids are playing a lot of video games. It's time to put the joystick down, get a job join an organization, play a sport and get good grades. Because if you want to live on the edge of excellence, you got to be able to juggle a bunch of things. And, and was it hard, Devin? Was it hard to be in two fraternities? Uh, 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 and I know the social fraternity sucks up a lot of time. Was it hard to have a 20 hour a week job at college works? that comes with a lot of stress and get good grades in your dual major. You know, it wasn't easy. And I think, Matt, uh, pat on the back for you, one of the early trainings you did was on time management. And I actually found that I was a lot more productive. You know, if I had not a ton to do, probably wouldn't get a whole lot done. And if I had a ton to do, I would get a lot done and then some because you learn how to use your time. So uh, initial sticker shock, absolutely. You wake up every morning and you say, holy cow, this is a joke. There's no way I'm going to get this done. Um, and once you put a little bit of structure around it, 
the world is your oyster. So it, it, it worked out, but yeah, it was tough at first, but I actually think it was, uh, it made things easier in the big picture. Yeah. Easy in the long run's good, but it usually comes with hard in the short run, easy in the short run oftentimes is the wrong choice. So it was a rhetorical question. Of course it was hard. Of course it's harder to be in two fraternities, have a job and go to school. But if you want to retire by 35, which I hear that a lot, I want to, I want to have all my investments and manage them when I'm 35. Yeah, everybody does. But if you want to have any chance of doing that, it may be 45 or 50, 35 is pretty rough. Although I did see the Kardashians on Saturday Night Live. They've done pretty well with that. If you want to, and they work hard, you have to work hard. It has to be harder. You have to get good at time management. Thanks for plugging my time management. There is an episode of this podcast on time management, and there is a YouTube uh, at the CollegeWorks YouTube site that has a video of the time management. We love to teach time management because the difference between a highly effective excellent, successful person and someone that didn't get there a lot of times is ability to juggle things and practice time management. So you're in school, you're in the business fraternity, you're in the social fraternity, you're going to parties, you're going to formals, you're going home to see your mom, you're studying and you have the college works gig and, uh, and the college works gig you did for more than one year. The college works gig was, and I read on your bio, you've run every aspect of a painting business. Then you've also trained employees manage a research-oriented software book of business, um, assisted clients in investment analysis at Morningstar, Morningstar, excuse me. And now you focus on grow, glowing global X's and your client's business as director covering institutions, RIAs, independents, and wirehouses. So if you want to have that many words that you don't know about what they mean in your title, you've got to do the juggling. So tell if us about- you wanna- Go ahead. I was going to just add lib if you want to enter an industry with a lot of nonsensical ad libs, adjectives, adverbs, and nouns, financial services is a good way to do it. Yeah. And I'm glad you're here because we had, uh, we had <laughs> Allie Becker that's going to go work with Joe Duran at Goldman Sachs. And I know you know Joe and I know you know or know of Allie. Uh, we've had uh, Rob Lovato that was working in some element of the finance industry. We've had some real estate people here. Um, I don't know if we've had an investment banker yet. We're going to get one. But you're, the, the finance industry is so attractive to highly successful high school and college students. They know that there's something good out there. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show.
What's the best part of working in the finance industry? And what's your advice on how to get started in the finance industry if you're coming out of college or maybe you're a couple of years out of college? Yeah, and, and maybe a bit of a link here for you too, Matt. Um, the, you know, I, I think the most fun part about working in the investment business, and this sounds pretty um, cliche, but there really are no two days that are the same because there's this giant thing called the market that a lot of people think they know what's going on. And I, I don't know that anyone's ever really been able to put a good pinpoint on that. Maybe just be a little more consistent than some others. Um, it changes every day. And that's what makes it fun. You've got to be on your A game. When you're not working, you need to be reading. And when you're not reading, you need to be working to kind of stay ahead of the curve. So if your natural persona is, all right, well, I've got this set of data and analysis that I can do to stay ahead of the curve, I'm going to do that. And some folks, you know, they're, they're naturally good at cranking out excels and doing cash flow analysis and budgeting and modeling. Other folks are really good at sales and they're good at getting in front of clients and winning that business. Some folks are good at a combination of those two skill sets. So there's a lot of ways to go about it. So Matt, what I did in school, and this is attributable to, to college works, is I put myself around a bunch of people who were better at things than I was and high performers. And I interviewed like crazy. And I had a job offer for a company called Morningstar, which is an investment research firm in Chicago, uh, into their development program. I think the second week of Thanksgiving, my senior year, and I had, you know, I was in way too many things in college and hockey and all that. So my senior year, I said, all right, well, if I get a job and I like it, I'm not taking, um, I'm, I'm not taking the LSAT. And I got an offer to take that job, you know, a couple of weeks into second semester senior year. So I took it and have not looked back since. Um, I, I interviewed a couple of lawyers and, uh, when I was trying to understand what, what do I want to do? And I tried to get a feel for it. Every single one of them said, don't be a lawyer. And that was pretty discouraging to hear. Because uh, that was the track that I was on. But was that um, because they know that they're blood suckers and all lawyers are blood suckers? I didn't say that you did. Uh, well, this this is how I eliminate some of my listenership is I make fun of lawyers. And it's also how I get other listeners that are more like me, people that don't like lawyers. But keep going. Well, I, uh, I can't say that from a personal experience, but I, I just knew that none of them seemed to be really happy about what they were doing. And I worked for a great firm called Morningstar that, you know, hires a lot of really smart folks. And I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I liked with working with clients. I liked the concept of starting every day at zero. I liked that opportunity to go build a book of business, but also do research and come up with a strong thesis as to why you think what you think. Because if you're ultimately engaging with clients and you have a lot of material to back it up with, you're going to do a lot better uh, with whatever that client engagement is. So I interviewed like crazy. I did a lot of practice interviews, sent a lot of emails out. LinkedIn wasn't a big thing then, but I was on it and that that did help actually. Um, so that's how I broke into the industry is I went to career fair and I was able to explain what I did. But Matt, here's your tie-in. Um, I was banging on doors probably sometime in you know early March in Chicago where it's 10 degrees outside. And I happened to bang on the door of a hockey family of a guy who used to drive me to hockey practice five, six years prior. He said, come on in and gave him an estimate that day. A year and a half, two years later, I had graduated. He called me out of the blue and said, Devin, what are you doing? I said, well, I work in Morningstar. He goes, no kidding. So you're in the business. I said, yes, I'm in the investment business. He goes, awesome. Let's grab lunch next week. I said, perfect. We'd love to see you, Mr. Balch. He goes, call me Mike. Perfect. Had lunch with Mike and he was hiring. He was the head of sales for an investment firm uh, to help build out their sales and consulting team. And he said, remember that thing you did in college? We had all those employees. You had your set of products. He goes, this is the closest thing to running your own business you can possibly do until you actually do run your own business. 
So I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I still want to be an entrepreneur. Many of your uh, other podcast guests have been, would like to learn from them. But I definitely am an entrepreneur and I've gotten that opportunity to build a business here. And so he hired me and said, this is the same thing you were doing. Higher margin product, far more interesting than anything that you were doing before if you're interested in investments. And it gives you the opportunity to learn and work with a lot of really smart people. So I am technically what they would refer to as an investment wholesaler, but I quite literally got this job from banging on doors for College Works Painting when I was maybe 19 or 20 years old uh, and haven't looked back since. And for rec- re- reference for your guests, I'm, 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 you know, I've been out of the school for nine years now. So I'm just about to hit the decade mark in my career and uh, have been very, very fortunate for some good opportunities, but a lot of the prep work came through CWP. Well, I really appreciate you saying that's very kind of you. There's a lot to unpack there. So I'm going to back up a little bit. So you mentioned a few things that get you to this edge of excellence. You mentioned a few things that keep people wanting to hire you, getting job offers, getting calls out of the blue, rising up the ranks in a short 10 years, by the way, 10 years isn't that much time. Uh, so first you said you love it because no, no two days are the same. You've got market changes. You also have clients that change. So you're dealing with a different client on a different market day, maybe in a different city every day. That's pretty exciting. Uh, you said that there are some people that are good at cash flow modeling and Excel. We'll call those the, the C personality types from DISC, if you know what DISC is. There's others that are uh, really good at closing and sales and explaining things. And then you said there's a third group that do both. So you've kind of put people into two tranches, just like the Discord does. And if you want to be an ETF manager, a head fund manager, an investment planner, a financial planner, an iBanker, a family office manager, there's room for you because you can be on the cash flow modeling Excel side, or you can be on the pitch, close deals, and sell side, right? So you find that any type of person can be in uh, Global X. You probably have all different personality types with all different backgrounds. It's finding which of those areas are best for you. And while you like charts and analysis, you also loved the going out and finding clients. So you went on the find clients and help clients find the right product side of the business, right? Correct. And if if I could be in my shoes 10 years ago talking to myself today, I think one thing I've learned is to continue to be curious and try and learn as much as you can, but embrace what you're naturally good at. And I've got a couple of things I think I'm better at naturally than others, but it's really combining those traits. The people that are running companies are the best at their job can do their superpower very well, but then they can relate on the other side too. The best heads of research can engage with clients and they can really break down, all right, here's what I'm telling you, but here's what I'm actually telling you. And the best sales persona can relate to that quant who's really, really, really focused on data and whatever that forecast might be, but they can tell it in a way that's going to connect. So I I ultimately think anyone who's really successful, whatever they do, you've got a lot of relatability and it's, it's a lot of emotional reading there. And, uh, you know, whatever that superpower skill set is that you have hone that and don't try and be something that you're not. And that's something that's taken me some time to figure out and learn myself. Um, but it's definitely uh, something I, I wish I had known moving forward as opposed to taking all these classes so you can be more well-rounded and be like, yeah, that's probably not your superpower. Focus on that. And so that uh, you know, anyone can work in finance, whether you're really good at finance or you're really good at marketing or digital advertising and SEO optimization, there's a job for you. It's just finding the career and the company that you like working with. That's really where it comes into play. 
Yeah, and you've got to go research. Well, you, you talked about uh, you, you talked about a lot of routines. You, you said in the beginning, you know, you have a successful day, but long-term excellence comes from measurable, repeatable methods. You talked about routines and habits. You talked about how you wake up and you do reading. You're staying ahead. Um, you talked about how in in college you wanted to try a bunch of things maybe some things that weren't really in your wheelhouse. And I was going to argue the opposite of what you said. For me, college is a place to go do a bunch of things that you would never do. And, you know, I was talking to my son, take that accounting class. He, he's, he doesn't love accounting. Take that stats class. He doesn't love accounting. And it's so you can relate, like you said. I'll never be an accountant. My, my son will never be an accountant. But we need to understand what's going on so we can relate. We need to get out of our comfort zone. And that's how you figure out what's right for you. That's how you figure out what wasn't right for you. But it's... It, it's not a sacrifice. It's not a, it's not a waste of time. I mean, I took a geology class. It's one of my favorite classes I've ever taken. I use it when I ski, I use it, um, to, to fill my family up with all sorts of trivial, uh, trivial tidbits as we drive around. But it was one of my favorite classes. And I, I tell you, I use that geology class all the time for some reason. You know, we, we, we do building. We have to understand engineering. You understand what's going on below the layers. Weird class I took. I took a sociology class. Two of the classes I remember the most have nothing to do with what I wanted to do for a living, but I got out there. So you can take these different classes and try it out. Now you're out of school and most of our listeners are probably out of college. You can look at what you're good at and then look at what industry you want to be in and search through that industry until you find the right job that's the right fit. So it came to you lucky. It came to you kind of through a lucky way. I, I, I take it back. I like my business partner. You know, Jeff Gunnis. I like his definition of uh, success. It's luck. Lucky enough to be prepared when opportunity knocks. And in your case, it seriously was knocking, except for you're doing the knocking. So you work for the College Works program, and a lot of people that come on the show never work for College Works because this shows just about what careers are out there and how you get there. But a lot of them got to their careers by going through College Works. And you're, uh, they used to call it stupid painters. You're one of the stupid painters going around knocking on doors. That's the number one killer of our, uh, of our employee base. People can't handle knocking on doors. And we tell them, you're going to go knock on doors. And you go knock on doors for a few hours a day. In your case, you actually knocked on the door of someone that booked a job with you, paid attention to who you were through the sales process and the setup process and the production process, and years later came back to you and said, hey, you're running this stupid painting business, but I know you did marketing, you did sales, you hired people, you fired people, you managed people, you dealt with customers. I was one of them. I saw what you were doing. Come into this world over here. It's exactly the same thing. Did I catch you right? Is that what you just said? Pretty similar. I think one of your previous guests, not to repeat it, but said something to the effect of do what others won't so you can live the life others can't. And you know, it's just that extra knock at the end of the day that can turn into a whole career or an opportunity to make an impact. So yeah, a lot of luck, a lot of luck and being in the right place at the right time, but then just harnessing the inertia. If you're lucky enough and you have a process around it, just keep it going. Ooh, and I think that was Danny Sunshine, who happens to be a lawyer. I can't believe we're back on the legal topic again. Uh, you're dragging me down, uh, but let's move, <laughs> let's move on. When you were in high school, and when you were in college, did you know that you needed to separate yourself or did you get lucky? In high school, I was way too focused on hockey and having fun and keeping decent grades, but I wasn't a straight A student. So definitely not then. In college, I did. I joined a bunch of groups of folks who I were 
who I, I noticed pretty quickly, these folks are really, really sharp, but I want to have an impact on this world and I want to figure out exactly how to do that. And I don't know what my calling is at that point in time, but if I can suck it all in and work harder than everybody else, I could. So when folks were at the bars at five or six o'clock, I'd hit the books until seven or eight, and then I would go meet them. So it was, uh, it was definitely a wake up call for myself where I didn't want a traditional life. I could, I could sacrifice the happy hour so I could go have drinks while skiing in Utah or whatever that was. And so I knew pretty quickly that I wasn't the smartest guy in the room. So it was a wake up call. I get to work and figure out how you can separate yourself from the pack. I was not a quote unquote natural by any means, nor, nor do I think I am today, but if you work hard enough, you'll catch up. Yeah. So you, you figured it out eventually. So you got through, you're having a great time. Eventually you wake up and say, okay, if I want the good time to keep going, I better do something that allows it to keep going. Right. You need to do something early in life so you can do what you want to do later in life. You need to do what others uh, won't do so you can do what um, others can't do later in life. I love that quote, too. So um, you're hanging out with the right people. And you mentioned that earlier. You hung out with successful people. We've heard you are the sum of your five closest friends. You're hanging out with the right people. Maybe they're working harder. Maybe they're making less time, uh, making uh, wasting less time. Excuse me. And then you realize, wait a second. All my buddies, and this could be your buddies in college. If you're driving in your car right now, listening on 1.5 speed, you might have that buddy in your car. Is that buddy in your car dragging you up or dragging you down? Devin was hanging out with people dragging him up. So when he went and studied till 11 o'clock at night, they probably were supportive or were they like my friends telling you you're crazy for studying that much? Yeah, it was definitely like, hey, dude, like, where are you? We're, you know. We're getting going. I'm like, I'll, I'll be there in a little bit kind of kind of situation. Okay. So even though you're hanging out with the right people, you sometimes have to let them down. Are you bummed that on some random Thursday, 10 years ago, you let your buddy down and didn't go drinking with them from nine to 11? No, I was happy. I met him at midnight instead. So it all worked out. Yeah. There are some chat. I had the same experience. Stewie, why are you working so hard? Stewie, it doesn't matter what you know. It matters who you know. I used to hear that all the time. It doesn't matter what you know or who you know. It matters what you do with what you know and who you know. And the what you do part usually requires some effort. So I dealt with that. I would do the studying on campus. And, and, I, and I, I'm always baffled by it. I hear people. I, I, I listen to interviews once in a while. I was listening to one. I didn't have time for work last year. Why not? Uh, you know, I had my tennis and I had my college. All right. So what did you do with your free time? Play, it's always the same. Played video games, hung out with friends. Okay, sounds good. I hang out with friends. I don't play video games because I'm an old fart, but I would if I wasn't so old. Um, it's just how much time do you spend with your friends? And how much time do you spend playing video games versus how much time you're doing things that will make your life easier later on because you're ahead of the curve. If you can get way ahead of the curve early, it's easier to stay ahead of the curve than always playing catch up, right? Definitely easier. And if you start to kind of build it in, you have fun with it. I mean, I, you know, I work hard. Is, is my job what I want to do every single day, all day, every day at this point in my career? No, but I like most of what I do. I like what our firm does. And I was able to get lucky and then align my skill set with my interest and good people. Um, so that it really, you know, it, it, it continues to give you the opportunity to grow and to learn. Um, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward, right? So in, in, in this case, just keep elevating yourself consistently over time. I haven't had a moonshot billion dollar IPO yet, 
that pisses me off every single day. Next time you do this call, maybe we'll be a step closer. But until then, um, keep working at it and you'll, you'll get there if you, if you kind of stay ahead of the ball. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had a moonshot billion dollar IPO yet. Neither have I. But if you don't have that attitude that you're kind of bummed out, I was sitting with my friend Scott and I'm not supposed to say names, but his name's Scott. And he's super successful. And we're sitting on this bus and we're, we're on a bus in Argentina and Patagonia. And he'd done more things than just about anybody I know. And I said, hey, you must be pretty proud of yourself. He said, no. I feel really bad. Other people I knew have kicked my butt. And I, I was about to say companies, which I won't. And I've never forgotten. I remind him about that all the time. The most successful people are always striving for more. And it doesn't mean you're not balanced. Devin was down staying in Laguna Beach, surfing this weekend with his fiance. Devin goes to concerts. Devin has friends. But there's 168 hours in a week. You're working 20 of them. What's happening to the other 148? You're working 40 of them or you're going to school for 16 hours. And Devin mentioned in the beginning, way back in the beginning, he did a lot of things and figured out how to manage his time. So if you're on a college campus or a high school campus or just out, what are you doing that's productive? Who are you hanging out with that makes you productive? And my favorite question to you, Devin, what sacrifices are you making? What sacrifices did you make back in your early part of life that you'll never regret. If you could go back, you would tell yourself to do again. You know, I missed a lot of the proms or the homecomings or whatever it was for the hockey game to compete for a state title or the homecoming or turnabout dance to go bang on doors in the front yard and get told no and you're crazy. I learned more from getting told to get out of here than I ever have because I learned how to fail pretty early and get told no. And that really fires you up to start coming back even harder. So every time I had a chance to go do whatever the normal thing was, and I did the non-normal thing, whatever that was, I benefited from that more than any positive affirmation experience I've ever had. Um, getting told no, failing, failing hard, having a door shut in your face. At some point, it almost becomes an exercise in futility and kind of fun. And it kind of just keeps you going. So for every no you get, every time I got one of those and missed, passed up on that opportunity to go do that, you kind of relish in that experience a little bit. And I think that's that, that internal bug. And that, that is definitely a, an experience I would never pass up again. Elvis Presley went to 52 record companies before he got his first yes. Lady Gaga went to Juilliard, but not for singing. She went for drama because she didn't get in as a musician. And the list goes on and on and on. Do you remember your first now? How'd you feel after the first one? Uh, your blood, well, you know, I was cold, cold outside because it's Chicago, right? But then the internal body temp hit about 165. So yeah, I, I, I definitely remember the first snow because it had snowed and I, I got a uh, behind the screen door, but open the, the actual door, get out of here. I'm like, okay, here we go. That was fun. So yeah, I do remember the first snow for sure. <laughs> but, so I remember not the first no, but my first time doing any marketing or sales was also for College Works. And I went 18 straight hours and nobody said yes. And to this day, nobody believes it. They think I'm lying. No, I was a hard worker. I was just a punk and nobody said yes. And I remember calling my dad and I was done. I had totally failed. I'd given up. And my dad said, what? You hear no all the time. Get back out there and do it again. And then I didn't make any money at first. He said, what? You never have two nickels to rub together anyway. Go out there and figure it out. And I don't know why I needed my dad. And I don't know why I still remember all these years later exactly what he said. It doesn't even make sense to me. 
You never have two nickels to rub together. What does that even mean? But I've never forgotten it. And I went back out there and then it kind of became a game for me too. It was so painful at first, but think about all the things that are painful at first. First time you jump off a diving board, you're scared, you do it. First time you ski down a hill, you're scared, but you do it. First time you ride a bike, you probably crash on pavement and bleed, but you do it again. First time you try something hard in business or you try something hard in um, entertainment, there's usually some rejection that you got to deal with and it's usually really rough, but you get over it after a few of them, right? And then you look back and laugh at it. I think you learn to love the sacrifice at a certain point. And once you do have a little bit of success, that feeling outweighs any time you get hit in the face and said no by a long shot. So that, that, that kind of, you do that long enough and it becomes fun. I think it was Morgan Freeman who did not become, I don't think he got his first starring role until he was maybe 43 or something to that effect. And he now is, you know, high eyes paid Hollywood actor and just an all around great human. So, um, yeah, you know, you, you can't plan all of, all of it. That's for sure. Well, you love accomplishment. You don't love sacrifice. You don't love pain. You don't love rejection. You love accomplishment. And once you've had a little taste of it, you know, it comes with pain and rejection and a little bit of uh, turmoil. You didn't become a great hockey player without falling down and losing some games. You don't become great in anything unless there's a little bit of sacrifice and a little bit of pain. And you learn in time that it's the process and you learn to love the process and the pain and the stings are really the sign that you're learning. It's like you go work out and your muscles hurt in the morning. That's the sign they're growing, right? That pain is a good thing. Yeah. And I think the next thing that I'm really working on my career and, and you'll find this is, is trying to understand how to take all the stuff we've chatted about and have impact. How do you, what's your mark on the world? How are you going to make it a better place? How do you make those around you better people? How do you help those in the community that actually need it? Um, and I think a lot of folks, at least in my early career uh, shoes, I was so focused on getting over that hill of success that I almost lost sight of that for one point. Um, and now it's really trying to understand how to put more, more focus on that. Um, and, you know, if you can combine those traits and have that passion, I think you can make every day an awesome day. So that that's kind of the next story arc of my career that I'm going after is how do I have a bigger impact, not just on my own career, but in a bigger perspective in the world and make it a better place. And I know you do a lot of that, but, uh, I think that process is the same. You just got to find what you're passionate about and then create good habits around it. And I'll, and I'll leave you with this. A lot of people have that sec success to significant struggle. How am I going to go from being successful to significant? And, and I thought about it too. And then I realized one day, wait a second, my business does this. My whole life is helping other people find success. So wait a second, Devin O'Dowd, don't you help all these people figure out how to um, get more out of their investments, get more out of their retirement fund? Don't you deliver unbelievable value through advice? Aren't you making everybody's life a little more successful and impacting a whole bunch of people every day? Well, it's a good point. We're, we're trying to. We're definitely trying to. Yeah, people like to think that they uh, need to go out there and work hard and make a bunch of money and then go make the world better. No, do it every single day. Why not do it every day? And you do, Devin O'Dowd. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and joining us on The Edge of Excellence. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. 
If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.